In the name of Jesus. Amen. Dear Saints, the Old Testament lesson for the third last Sunday of the church year uh, drives home one teaching and one commandment. And that is the first commandment. That you shall have no other gods before my face. This commandment is the commandment on which all other commandments rest. If you keep the first commandment, then you can keep the other nine. But if you break any of the other nine, it's because you have already broken the first. Now, in the Old Testament lesson, we see the most blatant and graphic depiction and representation of God's people breaking the first commandment. Exodus chapter 32, which we read, is a perfectly obvious image of idolatry. Right after God rescued Israel from enslavement to the Egyptians, Moses went up to Mount Sinai. He received the Decalogue, that is the Ten Commandments. And when Moses went up, while he was away, Aaron stayed behind with the people, and then they grew tired of waiting. And so what they did is they took off their rings, their jewelry, everything made of gold, And they made a golden calf, an idol to worship. And they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Now they're giving glory that belongs to God. What he did, they're giving this to an idol. And then the the text goes on and says, and when Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. So after this, Aaron built an altar before it and said, he said these words, tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. He's talking about God. So what he's doing is he's keeping this golden calf and God together uh, side by side. All right. Well, when Christians hear this, uh, they they say, especially when I see this, I say, this is just so foolish. This is uh, the dumbest thing I've heard. Uh, They clearly saw God save them. And then now they're out here at the foot of the mountain And they're worshiping a golden calf that they just made with their own hands and giving that the glory and saying that that's the thing that saved us. Uh, But when you ask Christians, um, look, are you are you guilty of worshiping any idols or false gods? Also, uh, very likely they are to say, no, I'm not. I'm not worshiping anything or bowing down to anyone else. I don't bow down to an image or a thing. And the reason I think so many people think that they are keeping the first commandment is because they don't quite know what it means or what it entails. So if you don't really know what the first commandment means, then how can you be so sure that you're really keeping it? So let me tell you what the first commandment requires. The first commandment requires your heart. All of it. The entire thing. The first commandment means that we should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. So let me explain it further. To fear God isn't simply respect or reverence, as many have taught uh, incorrectly. This fear is an actual fear of God. It means to be afraid of God, to be afraid of what he will do to those who reject him, to be afraid of his wrath. To fear God also means to be afraid of what this world and your life and what the rest of eternal life would be like without God, if he was not on your side. To love God means to desire him above everything else, to seek him more than anything else in this life, to to thirst and hunger after him, after his righteousness. 
To trust God means to confide in him and to rely upon him alone, no matter what happens in the world around you. It means to stand confidently and to be steadfast and completely unswerving and unmoved because you know the Lord is with you. And so if you truly keep the first commandment in its entirety, if your heart is fully dedicated to the Lord, if you truly fear, love, and trust in God above all things, then you would never be anxious about anything. You would never be worried about anything. You would never be afraid of anything, any outcome, any trouble, because you fear, your fear and your love and your trust is directed only to God. So that's how you keep the first commandment. <clears throat> and this is what it's about. So where your heart is, that is where your God is also. Now, it's not that there are other gods. Uh, it's that you, we oftentimes like to pretend like there are other gods. So let me read for you what Dr. Martin Luther wrote about 500 years ago uh, in the large catechism. <clears throat> he wrote this. He says, what does it mean to have a God or what is God? Answer, a God, little g, means that uh, from which we are to expect all good and which we are to take refuge in all distress. So to have a God is nothing other than trusting and believing him with the heart. I have often said that the confidence and faith of the heart alone make both God an idol, God and an idol. Now I say that whatever you set your heart on and put your trust in is truly your God. So with this being said, who here has kept the first commandment? Who here has relied upon God the Lord? Who here, has, who here has been afraid of nothing more than or loved nothing more than or trusted only in God? Sure, you believe in God and come to church and worship his saving name and you hear his word, but is your heart free from idolatry and other gods? Uh, this is the thing I want to drive home here today, is that we are far more idolatrous than we know more idolatrous than we'd care to admit. Remember, Israel didn't replace the one true God with a golden calf. They set up an idol, a golden calf, another God, alongside of the true God, a with God. And this is what you and I are so often guilty of doing too. This is how Christians fall into idolatry. Idolatry starts when you believe that you need God and something else. It's when you believe you need God and something else to be safe, to be secure, to fare well, for the Lord to take care of you. Idols and false gods aren't always tangible. It's not always money and gold. <clears throat> your false gods, your idols, can be your own reputation. It can be your popularity, how much you are liked, your success, your own body, your own dreams, your own career, and so on. And when you start to disregard and ignore God's word because you're too busy devoting your time to something else, then the thing that you're after, that desire is your idol, that is your God.
So, when people are demeaning and put others down, it's because they disregard the word of God that says to love their neighbor, even their enemies. And it's because being right and being above others is their idol. When spouses leave their marriage for another, it is because their desire to satisfy their own flesh is their idol. When couples prevent themselves from having children because of money or career or possessions or anything else, then it is those things that are the idol. When people indulge themselves in gluttony or drunkenness or addiction, it is because their own passions and hunger, their own belly is their idol. And the list goes on. When you close your ears to what God has said simply to do what you would desire, that's because you're more willing to obey your idol than God. We see this idolatry all over. It happens in churches. In in fact, it happens especially in churches. Um, Today we have uh, four pastors here uh, who are older and uh, wiser than I am and who know what I'm about to say here. (laughs) Uh, We've all heard stories of churches that uh, took a vote uh, to change the color of the carpet from red to blue, something of this nature, something frivolous. Uh, And every church has had to make a decision like this before. Um, Nearly every single time it happens, uh, you will see some people get angry and upset and leave the church over this. Uh, Make no mistake, This is idolatry. Why? Well, if you think this through, if you leave the church because the carpet was changed from red to blue, then what? Is that the only reason you came to church? Did you come to church and receive the body and blood of Christ only because the carpet was red? It's absurd. Did you repent of your sins and care for the people around you because you liked the color of the carpet? Are you leaving the body, of Christ, the body and blood of Christ in the dust because the carpet is different now? Or do you leave your fellow Christians in the dust because it's not what you wanted it to be? It didn't go the way you wanted. All right. You see how absurd this is. Well, today, uh, Zion will be making a tremendous decision for the future uh, of ourselves, of Zion. And we're not simply voting on the color of a carpet, but we vote on the future of Zion as we know it. We're in a building that we simply can no longer afford to be in. And so we have to make a very difficult decision as a church today. So we have to vote on this. And this vote is going to go one of four ways. God knows what will happen. I don't, and you don't. Nevertheless, the point I'm getting at is this. If you leave the church because the option that you wanted didn't get picked, if you leave because things did not go your way today, no matter which way it goes, then you have an idol, a golden calf, and a false god. You are all free to leave at any moment. No one is going to chase you down or pester you. But just know that if you do leave, Because something doesn't go your way today. If you leave your brothers and sisters in Christ in the dust because the majority of people didn't pick what you wanted, 
then you're revealing the idolatry and false god of your own heart. You're revealing that you love something else more than the Lord's word. All right. Uh, So I know that you all are probably uncomfortable. (laughs) I can tell. Uh, In fact, if you find all of this law hard to hear, imagine how difficult it is to stand up and preach. Nevertheless, the same law that condemns you condemns me. And I stand as one guilty of the same fallen and idolatrous heart. But I want to say something here. Um, You know that feeling when you're hearing the law call out your sin and this harsh reality. Uh, You know that uh, you know that how uncomfortable it is and tense when your body gets when your sins are being called out publicly in the readings, in the scripture, in the sermon. Uh, That feeling. Do you know what that is? That feeling is your God's dying. That feeling is your idols being crushed before your eyes. That feeling, that pain and discomfort and uneasiness is the thing that you hope for and long for in this life being taken away. It is being crushed and the Lord is doing this and he is showing you how frail and worthless your idol is. Repent. Repent and leave these idols as ashes beneath your feet. Turn away from them all, whatever that idol is, whatever you're putting your hope and trust in more than in God's word, in in what he has promised you, turn away from that. Turn to the one, the one true God, the only true God who loves you, who sent his son in exchange for you, who gave his son as your ransom. Turn to the God who didn't spare his son, but gave him up for all of you. Return to the God who purchased you not with silver or with gold, but with his holy and precious blood. This is your God, and this God loves you, and he adores you, and he puts nothing else with you, above you, or alongside of you. He's dedicated himself to you since before the foundation of the world, when he, and he washed away all of your sins. Everything he does is for your sake. This God actually hears you. He listens to you. He takes care of you. And he knows that you and I are often tempted to turn to other things, to things that moth and rust destroy. And so Christ comes today to crush your idols before your eyes and to forgive your weak and failing heart. Today, God not only tells you not to worship other gods, but he also tells you you don't need to because he will give you everything you need for this body and life for the life to come. Listen to these words from Dr. Martin Luther from the large catechism. Uh, Regarding the first commandment, it's as if God said this. He said, see to it that you let me alone be your God and never seek another. Whatever you lack of good things, expect it from me. Look to me for it. And whenever you suffer misfortune and distress, crawl and cling to me. I, yes, I will give you enough and help you out of every need. Whatever you looked for from anyone else or for whatever things you have trusted in, money or anything else, expect it all from me. Think of me as the one who will help you and richly pour out upon you every good thing. 
All right, in closing, I want to say one more thing. I know that you and I are facing uh, some difficult days ahead. Uh, Some of you are anxiously waiting on the last day of work uh, when you're about to be let go from your job. Some of you are still without a job, not knowing when work will come. Some of you are worried about Zion's future, where we will go, what we will do, what will happen to the word preached here, and worried that things won't ever be the same. Some of you are worried about the fate of our nation right now in the midst of all of the corruption that's going on. And I have to admit that I'm worried about this too. I'm worried about my wife, my sons, and this church. But oftentimes the Lord takes away from us the things that we trust in the most so that we would learn to rely upon him alone. So rely upon him and don't worry and don't fear what you may lose or suffer. Don't worry because God is still in control of everything. He will provide your daily bread, whether you have a job or not. He will continue to take care of you and protect you with or without money. Yes, God usually uses money and jobs and good government to care for us, but he doesn't need to because he's God. And he can still take care of us without these things. And so he will take care of you and your children, even when you lose your job, even when you lose your footing, even when this country completely falls apart around us. He will continue to take care of you when this building crumbles to pieces. He will continue to take care of you when your career fails and your dreams are shattered and when everything falls apart to your left and right. You have the one thing that is needful, the one thing that is more valuable than anything in the world. You have God who is for you. You have his promise of salvation who forgives you and purchased and won you from sin, death, and the devil. So let your heart rely upon him and rely upon him alone. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you have created all things and you rule all things. We have no other God, and so we turn to you alone. And we call upon you and hold fast to you because you have sent your only Son, Jesus Christ, to redeem us by his blood. We have heard your word and we trust in you. We believe you, so help our unbelief. Teach us to cling only to you, to depend only upon you, and give us the comfort and assurance that even if you alone are all we have, that you alone are all we need. In the name of Jesus, amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.